Uh, would you turn with me in a Bible to Exodus chapter 20? Exodus chapter 20. Today we are looking at verse 12. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments, and we've been going through these one by one over the last few weeks uh, as we've been going through the book of Exodus as a whole. And as we've uh, been going through the book of Exodus, we've said it tells us a story of how God brought the Israelites from bondage to belonging, from bondage and slavery in the land of Egypt to knowing what it means to belong to him as their God and their Savior. And, of course, it also shows us what Jesus Christ came to do because Jesus Christ came to do uh, the same thing in an even deeper and greater way uh, to bring us out of our sin, bondage to sin and darkness and death and bring us into his presence and his forgiveness and his light. Uh, so uh, the Ten Commandments are what God gave to the people of Israel to teach them how to live as people who have been uh, brought out of bondage and brought to belong to him, and uh, they express God's will uh, for our lives as well. So let me just read chapter 20, verse 12, which is the fifth commandment that we're looking at this morning. Um, uh, also, uh, one more comment before I read the verse and jump into this is uh, today's sermon focuses on honoring parents, not on parenting. Um, but for those of you who are parents, uh, like me, uh, if you're like me, you know that we could all use a little help sometimes. So I put one of the books that has been most helpful to me about being a Christian parent in the front entryway. There's five or six copies, so if you are a parent and want to take one with you, it's just called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Help Your Family, uh, something like that. Uh, it's, a very, uh, it's a book I've returned to a few, multiple times over the last few years, and I uh, hope it can be helpful to you as well. Uh, but here is uh, chapter 20, verse 12 of Exodus. It says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We all began our earthly lives as children of someone. None of us arrived in this world as self-contained, self-sufficient, self-made human beings. No, we all entered this world as desperately needy creatures whose very lives depended upon our connection to another. Our first home, of course, was our mother's womb, a place we neither created nor chose nor contributed to, but in which we were sustained, protected, and nourished for approximately nine months. And when we emerged from there, we didn't immediately become independent. We came into a world where we would continue to depend on our parents and others uh, to take care of us in one way or another. We have all been shaped by our parents, our, their choices, their character, and their life circumstances. And this is true whether our parents were consistently present or completely absent, whether they were stable and nurturing or destructive and unpredictable, whether we grew up with our biological parents or with adoptive parents, step-parents, extended family members, or other caregivers and authority figures. Even as adults, even when we get to the point where we're no longer physically dependent upon our parents' provision materially, we're still deeply affected by the history and the present reality of our relationship with our parents. The parent-child relationship can be one of the most delightful human relationships, and at the same time it can be one of the most difficult human relationships. And so we come to this commandment the fifth of ten. Honor your father and your mother. What do we make of this command? 
Now, to set the context, the first four commands have focused on the vertical dimension of life. In other words, loving and honoring God above everything else. The next six commands, starting with this one, focus on the horizontal dimension of life, how we relate to other human beings, loving our neighbors as ourselves. And it makes sense that the commands about loving our fellow human beings begin with our parents, because for most of us, our parents were the first human beings that we ever encountered. Our parents were the first authority figures that made their mark on our lives, for better or worse. Our parents, in one way or another, taught us to relate to every other human being we would ever encounter and to every other authority figure that would one day lay claim to some part of our lives. To put it another way, our relationship with our parents is foundational to all other human relationships. And so that's why this command comes where it does in the list. This morning we'll focus on relationships with parents in particular, but some of the same principles apply to our relationships with other authority figures that we might encounter along the way in life, teachers, coaches, bosses, pastors, government leaders, etc. And now as we've done with each of the commandments, uh, we're going to look at the fifth commandment under four headings. How, number one, it's a manual that shows us God's good design and God's good intention for us as his creatures. Number two, how it's a mirror that shows us our sin and our fallenness and our need for God's help and his grace. Third, how it's a window that shows us Jesus, our Savior. And fourth, how, when we understand the first three things, it's a guide that shows us very practically God's path. So first, how is this commandment a manual that shows us God's good design? On the one hand, the command to honor parents is completely intuitive and utterly natural. God designed us to flourish, not in complete isolation, but in community, and our families are the first community to which we belong. Genesis 1.28, God commissioned the human race to be fruitful and multiply, and this command celebrates the goodness of bearing and raising children. And in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul quoted this command, and he pointed out it's the first one that comes with a promise attached, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is given you. Now, this is a general principle, not an absolute statement. It doesn't mean that anyone who dies young in a tragic accident has particularly failed to honor their parents. That would not be a good way to interpret it. It means that in general, your life will go better if you learn all the wisdom that you can from your parents, rather than if you always think you know better and insist on learning every single lesson the hard way. And this principle isn't just found in the Bible. It's recognized very broadly throughout pretty much every human culture. Uh, as we've gone through the Ten Commandments, I've pointed out that some of them, namely the first, second, and fourth, were very unusual in the ancient context. Uh, so no other culture required uh, a had a mandatory weekly day of rest, like God instituted for the Israelites in the Sabbath. Almost every other culture worshiped multiple gods using many different images. Uh, but the fifth commandment, this commandment, would not have surprised anybody at all uh, if, if, you, if you would have uh, talked about it with Israel's neighbors in the ancient world. Uh, so a couple examples, the ancient Babylonian laws assume that children have an obligation to honor their parents in particular and their elders in general, and they prescribe harsh punishments for children who don't. In ancient China, Confucius and others emphasized the idea of filial piety as a foundational social value. Later on, as Christianity spread throughout the world, missionaries translated the Bible into different languages. Uh, nobody read this command and said, that's crazy. I've never heard that before. 
pretty much everybody said, of course. How could it be any other way? So on the one hand, this command is completely intuitive and utterly natural. But on the other hand, it's not always so simple. We live in a fallen world. Our relationships aren't always what they ought to be. Sometimes this command to honor one's parents can be excruciatingly difficult to put into practice. It's all fine and good to honor parents when they act honorably, but what about parents who act dishonorably? Parents who are absent and neglectful, or angry and abusive, or controlling and manipulative. Is the Bible simply rubber stamping what many traditional cultures have said, that parents have absolute authority, they should never be questioned or challenged? Doesn't that attitude enable or even contribute to unhealthy patterns? Let me address this objection briefly before we go any further. Uh, whenever the Bible commands us to honor human authorities, there are always some limits on what is required. So in the case of parents, there are two basic limits that the Bible clearly lays out. Limit number one is that parents are not God. The fifth commandment comes only after the first four. And the first commandment says only God is to be worshipped. The second commandment says we should not make idols in the form of any created being. So whatever it means to honor parents, it does not mean to worship them in the same way that we worship God or to idolize them as if they are completely flawless. No human being is. Or to obey them if they tell us to disobey God. We have to honor and obey God first above all else. So parents are not God. That's the first limit on parental authority. But second, parental authority is intended to be temporary. So when, it, when the Apostle Paul uh, quotes this command, he applies it specifically to children. That is, kids who are still living at home and uh, sort of dependent in some way on their parents. Uh, and he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. In other words, live under their authority and follow their instructions unless they're telling you to do something that is morally wrong or obviously harmful. But according to the Bible, the obligation to obey your parents does not necessarily last through your entire life. So Genesis 2.24 says, A man, that is a full-grown adult, shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So in other words, if you grow up and you get married, your primary loyalty needs to shift. Instead of being primarily focused on living under your parents' authority and following their instructions, your primary responsibility now is to live in harmony with your spouse, to be the husband or wife that God has called you to be, and to function as a new family unit under God. And if you grow up but don't get married, I think a similar principle applies. If you move out of the home, you're independent, you are, required to, you are no longer required to obey your parents, but you are still called to honor them, like this commandment says. The word honor means to give weight to, to respect highly, to regard as of high value. So the opposite would be to despise, to make light of, to regard as of little or no value. Uh, so while parents are not God, and while parental authority is intended to be temporary, the command to honor our mother and father is not just addressed to kids. It's addressed to all of us and it reflects God's good design. But second, this command is not only a manual that shows us God's good design, it's also a mirror that shows us our sin. Now, 
When many of us first read this command, we might think it's mostly directed toward the kids. We might think, maybe I should just skip this commandment, go teach a children's church lesson, and then continue next week with number six. And as a parent, I've probably quoted this one to my kids more than any of the other Ten Commandments. I'll acknowledge that. But the commandment here is not just for kids. In fact, Jesus referred to this commandment, and he applied it to middle-aged adults. So here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verses 10 through 12. Moses said, honor your father and your mother. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, a gift offered to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Now, what Jesus was talking about here is he was criticizing a legal loophole that some people in his day were exploiting in order to avoid the expense and the burden of caring for aging parents who could no longer provide for themselves. So back in Jesus' day, there was no such thing as Social Security, Medicare, nursing homes, or retirement savings accounts. Most elderly people, if they became too sick or too weak to provide for themselves, were dependent on their extended families in general and their children in particular. So according to Jesus, one of the implications of honor your father and mother is make sure that your parents are properly taken care of in their old age, in particular when they are no longer able to provide for themselves. And Jesus wasn't the only uh, Jewish teacher who understood it that way. Many later Jewish traditions made the same point. So here's one of them. It said, how should a child honor an elderly parent? That's very practical. By giving him food to eat and something to drink and clothing him and covering him and taking him out and bringing him in and washing his face and his hands and his feet. The Apostle Paul expresses the same principle in 1 Timothy 5 when he's talking about how widows, uh, some of the most vulnerable elderly people in the ancient world, uh, should be taken care of. He says if a widow, an elderly widow, has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. He goes on to say, he goes on to make a strong statement in 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those are quite strong words from the Apostle Paul. Now, do these verses mean that it is always a sin uh, to put one's elderly parents in a nursing home? No. Sometimes, if a person needs 24-7 care, sometimes it's too much for one person to handle, uh, physically speaking, over the long term. Do these verses mean that an adult child must do everything that an elderly or disabled parent demands? No, not necessarily. But what do they mean? What they do mean is that honoring parents does mean sacrificially serving them in concrete ways throughout their lives and not turning away from them when they have legitimate physical needs or other needs. These tasks are often not glamorous and sometimes they are undervalued and underappreciated. Caring for a parent who can barely speak or move because of a debilitating disease or who has lost their memory and can hardly recognize their loved ones anymore or who is cranky and critical and constantly complaining or who has repeatedly offended other family members is not an easy task. But it is part of what this commandment entails. Proverbs 23, says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother, 
when she is old. You see, for all of us who are roughly my age and who still have living parents, we can't just quote this commandment to our kids. We also need to take it to heart and wrestle with it ourselves. As long as our parents are alive, we are to honor them, not despise them, take them seriously, not dismiss them, and serve them in concrete ways according to their needs. And that's not always easy. Now, I think some of us, when we hear this command, tend to feel more guilty than we should. We feel guilty because there are broader family dynamics that we wish were different, but we can't really control and we're not ultimately responsible for. Others of us might feel less guilty than we should because we've become self-centered and preoccupied with our own comfort and we found ways to justify patterns or attitudes that fall short of what God calls us to here. Either way, whether we feel too much guilt or not enough guilt, I think this commandment is meant to show all of us that we need God's grace. We all need God's help. We need God's wisdom and love, his discernment and endurance to honor our parents rightly throughout their lives. Now, let me talk for a moment to those of you who are kids or young adults still living with your parents. You need God's help, too, because I guarantee that you have fallen short of this command more than once. Have you ever rolled your eyes when your parents told you something? Have you ever lied or intentionally hid the truth from them? Have you ever held, yelled back at them and refused to do what they told you? Or have you ever been polite to their face and then mumbled something under your breath? Or did something different behind their back or resented them in your heart? When I was a kid, I was guilty of many such things. I especially liked to argue with my parents and with my teachers in school. I had a technical mind I was a little smarter than most kids my age, at least in math, so I could sometimes win an argument on a technical point. As a kid, I thought I knew better than most adults most of the time. Looking back, I was arrogant and probably annoying. I wasn't the easiest kid for my parents to deal with. When I was about 13 or 14, give or take a couple of years, I was sitting in church one day. I was listening to the pastor preach, and he was not preaching about this commandment. He was not preaching about honoring parents in particular. He was talking about Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ was humble and how Jesus Christ did not always insist on his own way and how Jesus Christ sacrificially served all kinds of different people. And I remember sitting there and thinking, I say that I believe in that man as my Savior and Lord, but I don't live up to that character description. I'm not humble like that. I'm not patient like that. I'm not gentle like that. I'm not compassionate like that. And that day, God's word was like a mirror for me. It showed me that I had fallen short of God's commands, that I was proud and arrogant, unlike Jesus. And it showed me that I needed Jesus more than I had previously realized. That leads us to our third point. This commandment is a manual that shows us God's design. It's a mirror that shows us our sin. And third, it's a window that shows us our Savior, Jesus. How does this command show us Jesus? It points us to two pieces of good news. First, we see that unlike anyone else in the history of the world, Jesus fulfilled this command perfectly. Jesus is qualified to be our perfect Savior in part because he was the perfect child. Luke 2.51 which we read earlier, tells us that Jesus at the age of 12 went down with Mary and Joseph and came to Nazareth 
and was submissive to them. In other words, Jesus honored and obeyed his earthly parents, even though he was infinitely wiser and more holy than they were. Imagine the perfect son of God choosing to come to earth and among other things, choosing every day to submit to the authority of imperfect human parents. Joseph wasn't even his biological father. Joseph was his stepdad. He had taken Mary as his wife after Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but Jesus put himself under the authority of his mother Mary and his stepdad Joseph. If it is hard to honor your parents because you feel that you are wiser or more holy than they are, remember this. The difference between Jesus, who is perfectly holy, and all the rest of humanity is much bigger than the difference between you and your parents, who are both sinful humans. Therefore, if Jesus, the perfect Son of God, willingly submitted to his imperfectly, imperfect earthly parents, flawed and sinful though they were, he can help you figure out how to honor your parents, flawed and sinful though they are. Now you might say, but my parents don't understand. We're just not on the same wavelength about so many things. Jesus' parents didn't understand him either. And as an adult, what we see is that Jesus continued to honor his parents even though they did not always understand him and he did not always obey their commands. So when Jesus was 12, he did something his parents didn't expect. He stayed behind in the temple and his parents couldn't understand why. And his mom was like, why have you treated us this way? You made me so anxious. And Jesus said, but didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Jesus honored his earthly parents, but his number one priority was to do the will of his heavenly father. And so when he did that, he was able to respond to his mom's concern in a calm but confident way. Later on, when Jesus was about 30, he began his public ministry. So he was teaching and healing and driving out demons. His family heard some reports. We don't know what exactly they heard. They could have been distorted reports. But his family heard some reports about what he was doing, and they concluded... He has gone mad. Mark 3.21 says, Jesus' mother and brothers went out to seize him, for they were saying he is out of his mind. How did Jesus respond when they came to fetch him and bring him back home? He didn't cower in fear and apologize. Sorry, Mom, I went a little too far this time. And go right back home with them. In fact, in Mark 3.33, he said this in response his mother and brothers were outside. He was teaching a whole group of people on the inside. They interrupted, sort of, someone brought him a message and said, they're looking for you. They want you to talk to them. And he looks around and says, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, those who were listening to his teaching, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So as a child, Jesus willingly submitted to his earthly parents, but now as an adult, he was teaching them an important spiritual lesson, that the spiritual family of Jesus' followers is more important and more lasting even than the families we grew up in. One final incident in Jesus' life, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, one of his last words recorded in John 19.26 was to ask his disciple John to take care of his mother Mary. It seems that Jesus' stepfather, Joseph, had probably passed away by that time because Joseph doesn't appear in the accounts of Jesus when, he was an, when Jesus was an adult. So it's uh, very likely that he had already passed away. 
And as the oldest son in the family, Jesus would have been particularly responsible to care for his uh, mom, who would have been growing older by that time. And Jesus took that responsibility seriously. In other words, Jesus honored his mother all the way to the end of his life. Jesus is qualified to be our perfect savior, in part because he was the perfect child. That's the first piece of good news. But the second piece of good news is that Jesus came to welcome us into God's forever family. According to the Bible, our families of origin in their current form will not last forever. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that in heaven there will be a special house reserved only for the Hendricksons so that all of my ancestors and all of my blood relatives can have an eternal family reunion. The sad reality is that some of the people who share my last name may not be there because right now they do not love Jesus and they do not want to live in a kingdom where he reigns as Lord. I pray that they would have a change of heart, but I can't control that. You see, our parents and our families of origin are chosen for us by God. They are the means through which God brought us into the world. We wouldn't be here without them. They're intended by God to prepare us for the rest of our earthly lives. But more than anything else, the families we grew up in are intended to point us to a new and better and forever family, the family of God that we can enter through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jen Wilkin put it this way, if your family of origin was a painful one, the family of God can be a haven and a recompense. If your family of origin was a happy one, how much more so the family of God? You see, if you go through life thinking that family in the biological sense matters more than anything else, if you look to your parents or to your children or grandchildren to satisfy you at the deepest level, you will spend your life grasping at something that will be forever slipping out of your hands. Our earthly families are designed by God to play many more important roles, but their most important role is to point towards the family of God that lasts forever. Can you instead receive with gratitude the family that God put you in, despite its many imperfections? Can you see that belonging to that family was preparing you in some way to belong to God's family? Perhaps it was a beautiful picture in some ways of God's family. Perhaps it in its imperfections, it made you feel your need for your heavenly Father and for what God provides through his son, Jesus Christ. Can you see that living under the imperfect authority and provision of your earthly parents was preparing you to live under the perfect authority and eternal provision of God, our heavenly Father? Now you might say, what if I come from a really, really messed up family? What if I feel that my parents have done me more harm than good? What if I never even knew one or both of my parents? About seven years ago, I met a young man who had never known his father and really hardly ever knew his mother. Dad was never there. Mom was addicted to drugs, hardly ever there. He had been raised by his grandmother, the only stable presence in his childhood. When he was about 14, she died. Then he was in foster homes. Then he joined a gang because that was the closest thing to a family he had known. When I met him, he was living in a homeless shelter in Connecticut. He had already spent a year or two in jail. He was on probation with an ankle bracelet. He was angry and planning to run away. So two weeks ago, I talked to the same guy. He still lives here in Connecticut. 
He's been off probation for over a year. He's been working at various jobs, trying to start his own catering business, among other things. He's quite a good cook. He's getting married this spring to a committed Christian woman. He's serving in his church and working closely with his pastor. He's processing his emotions instead of just acting out of them. He's often asking for guidance from mentors instead of just doing things his own way. He has resolved conflicts with people who he previously could not get along with. He has repaid several people who he previously owed money to. He's still a work in progress, but he's a different man than he was seven years ago. What made the difference? Well, it's a long story, but basically, he got to know Jesus, and he was received by the family of God. A handful of brothers and sisters in Christ loved on him, encouraged him, rebuked him, listened to him, and stuck with him. One of the most helpful things was when a group of Christians invited him to come and live with them in their apartment. They prayed together, ate together, and played basketball with the kids in the neighborhood. Psalm 27, verse 10 says this, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. That's what made the difference in my friend's life. The Lord Jesus had received him, and he came to know God as his heavenly father. No matter what your family of origin was like, there's a place for you in the new and better and forever family of God. And you can join that family today by turning to Jesus and asking him to take you in. And he will never leave you or refuse you. Finally, how does this command show us God's path? How is it a guide for us? I'll be brief here, but let me leave you with one question. Who can you honor this week? Maybe it's mom, dad, a grandparent, a step-parent, someone else who raised you. What is one thing you could do this week to show them honor? If you live with your parents, help them out without being asked. Clean the bathroom, load the dishwasher, fold the laundry, maybe even cook dinner for the family one day. If you don't live with your parents, give them a call, write them a note or a card, send them a gift. Either way, tell them what you're thankful for. Tell them perhaps what you're sorry for. Tell them that you love them and pray for them. You don't have to do all of those things. Just choose one thing and do it this week. Now maybe your parents have passed on a long time ago. And while you can thank God for them, you can't do anything for them at this point. But, this command can, you can, but you can also live out this command because if you've become part of God's family through faith in Jesus Christ, you also have spiritual mothers and fathers in the faith. In 1 Corinthians 4.17, the Apostle Paul referred to Timothy as my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Paul wasn't, his bio, Paul wasn't biologically related to Timothy, but Paul had been a spiritual mentor, a spiritual father to Timothy over many years. And in Romans 16.13, Paul mentions one of his spiritual mothers. He says, greet the mother of Rufus, who has been a mother to me as well. So think about it this way. Who was the person who first introduced you to Jesus Christ? Or who was someone who has walked alongside you in your journey with Christ? Or maybe someone who has sort of been walking a bit ahead of you, and you've looked up to them in your own journey of faith. You've learned from them. They might be older than you. They might be younger than you. But they've helped you grow in your knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. Honor them this week. 
write them a note, give them a call, tell them you're praying for them, send them a scripture verse. I don't care what exactly you do, but just do something. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for the parents that you gave to each of us, for bringing us into this world through them. And we thank you, ultimately, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to be our, our perfect brother so that we might know you as our heavenly father and be adopted and welcomed into your family forever and ever. We pray that we would treasure uh, what you, all that you have done for us. Help us to express uh, what this command teaches. Help us to express honor to our parents, our biological parents, our adoptive parents, our spiritual parents, as well as to one another in the family of God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.